Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Happy birthday, Thanks, dude. Mr. President. <laughs> what am I the president of? You're the president of the 40 Club, dude. Congratulations. Welcome to your 40s, dude. Thanks, dude. How do you feel? Oh, so excited about it. <laughs> well, you look the same. Yeah, thank you. You look uh, as old and miserable as ever. I'm not as old as <laughs> Timo Solani. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But still, he's faster than you. Oh, yes. Way faster. He'll probably be faster in 30 years than I am now. But I bet you can hit a wraparound net better than him. Well, let's not get crazy. Well, <laughs> one of those images burned forever in our brain. That's what everybody thinks of when they think of Timo Solani is that wraparound miss. Whoops. Whoops. Dude, welcome back. Happy post-All-Star break, dude. We are... Ready to get started with the second half of the NHL season with, guess who's the hottest team in the NHL? The Arizona, no. Oh, the Sharks. The answer is the San Jose Sharks, dude. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Points in their last 10, 8-0-2 on a, you know, they are on fire. Fire! So they are raging through the NHL right now. Uh, They have a very hard road trip coming up. Their next four games are brutal. Starting tonight in Anaheim, then they go to Nashville, and then they go to Chicago and St. Louis. That is in the incorrect order, but those are the four teams that they play. That's a pretty, pretty brutal start Mm -hmm. to the second half of the season. They come home for two games, and then they hit the road for five. So this is a very challenging stretch for the Sharks to see if they can keep up this Upward trend. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Sharks are headed in the right direction. No doubt about it. Can they keep it up? But I guess we should probably talk about the All-Stream, dude. And I know there's a bunch of questions that are on the podcast. Dude, you're the host. I'm the host. You tell me what you want to do. Well, we talked about John Scott. I guess we can start there. We got a lot of comments on the blog about lots of different things, which we'll try to hit some of these. Of course, questions at Dudes on Hockey is the best uh, best place for us to get your comments, because sometimes I'm not sure if our listeners are just yelling at each other or if they're yelling at us. So right. that's a little tough to discern sometimes. But it seems like a lot of other people were sort of upset the way Scott was handled. And certainly that Players' Tribune article, right. which I'm assuming you read. Yes. Man, that hit the internet like wildfire. Sure. I've, I've never seen an internet uh or a Players' Tribune article spread like that. And I've read most of the hockey ones. Ryan Whitney wrote an interesting one recently about his time in Russia, by the way. Anyway, but he wrote basically that someone from the NHL contacted him after he was leading the fan vote and basically tried to shame him into essentially resigning from the All-Star game because at least the they were trying to insinuate that his kids would not be proud of him, which uh, at least by John Scott's telling, that completely backfired and that made him all the more uh, determined to go. And he did, and it was a huge success. Yeah, that was pretty classless. If that's true, and there's been no denial no. from the NHL PS uh, about the whole thing, but and that's a no-win situation for them now anyways. Yeah. Um, and they've 
handled it, I think, the best way that you could. I mean, they made him the MVP. Right. The whole weekend was about, first of all, Nashville, which everyone had such glowing things to say about how they produced the All-Star game, and it seemed to be very well done. It was fun. Uh, but <laughs> the, the John Scott being the MVP of the All-Star game, uh, it was, I don't know, dude. I mean, it's going it, to be interesting. Is this going to mean a total shift in how this game is perceived the all-star game i mean in, in general or just this one well, i'm saying is this i mean next year are we gonna see you know mike brown at the all-star game i mean like are are the fans really gonna stop this now that it's started no but i do want to touch on one thing about the mvp did you see who handed john scott the mvp trophy no it was bill daly uh-huh if i had to bid money I would bet money that it was Bill Daly who made that remark that John Scott references in the article. Oh, really? You think that was his nice, nice oh, yes. back to him? Absolutely. <laughs> I think that was Bill Daly who said that to him. And I, of course, I have nothing to back that up. But if I had to guess, he would be the hatchet man <laughs> on behalf of the NHL. And he handed John Scott the trophy. I didn't <laughs> notice any dirty looks or any messages passed between them uh, when the trophy was handed out. But that was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, good for him. And... I'm just happy. You know what? This sounds like so minor, but honestly, I mean, you know, we've talked about how he got traded and how he got sent down and someone made a crack on the, on the, in the comment section saying that the dudes got traded to Montreal and then immediately got sent down. And now we're an ice caps podcast, which I thought was pretty funny, but, um, you know, actually John, you know, he wins a car cause he's MVP. John Scott is probably the only person at that all-star game who could actually use that frigging car. He's got twins on the way. He doesn't make a lot of money. He's going to have four kids. He can use the car. Now, Everybody else, Nobody else is going to use that car. Dude, I'm going to stop you right now. He doesn't make a lot of money. He makes $750,000. Not in the AHL. Okay. Oh, dude. I don't think he has a one-way deal, does he? Dude. Uh, he might be only making like hundred grand in the, in the you AHL. You think he's not on a one-way deal? I'm not sure, dude. I can't. I, we can no, look. If you want to look at no, general manager, we can look stop. Right now. Anyways, I mean, John Scott has made a decent amount of money. Yeah. I don't think he can't afford to buy a car. I now, know, but I'm let's, just let's saying. Let's paint this in a, in, a, in a light where he's... He could use the car. He's destitute. I'm not you saying know? he's like living uh, under a bridge. Or he's hanging out outside of Trader Joe's with a cardboard sign. <laughs> I know. Make me the MVP That's for bean sprouts. <laughs> Dude, you know. Uh, I know. Okay. It was a feel-good moment. It was... The most attention the All-Star game has had in forever. Right. And I don't think it was a bad thing. It's he un- handled it exactly right. He handled sure. it absolutely pitched perfectly. I, I don't see how anyone could now make the argument that having John Scott included was some detriment. I, of course, you know, there's always going to be some people who say that, but, you know. The only downside was he had the chance to punch Patrick Kane in the <laughs> face, and he didn't. Yeah. And he didn't. And we That's all true. wanted him to. That's right. That was pretty funny, actually. Yeah. He knocked down Patrick Kane very lightly. Yeah. But then went on a breakaway. And then I love that Kane went back and scored and then dropped the gloves. <laughs> it was funny. And then Scott at the end is like, oh, like, like, you know, put yeah. his hands on him. Like, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> you only outweighs him by like a hundred pounds. I know. It was, it was funny, though. I mean, like that. That's what the game should be like. I mean, that's uh, one of my favorite all-star memories from baseball is when John Cruck 
was batting against Randy Johnson, refused to bat on his natural side and went on the other side mm-hmm. and put the batting helmet on backwards and basically <laughs> stood there and didn't swing and watched like every pitch because he was afraid <laughs> he was going to die. <laughs> you know, and it was funny. I mean, yeah. like that, that these should be entertaining events. It's not right. a real game. Not it's even not, close. It's not even close. Although this seemed to have a little bit more comp- competition to it than normal. Right. Which I think because of the three-on-three, you had to work. Actually, you had to work hard. Right. But for once, it was finally watchable. I think someone said they actually broke a sweat more in this game than any other All-Star game. And three-on-three no. and three is entertaining hockey. Absolutely. And it's also because the ice is so open... These these skill players can do what they what they do, which is exhibit these skills and not have to worry about going through crazy traffic and all this stuff. There's so much open ice to be had. It's just really entertaining. I think it was the best All Star weekend I've ever seen. It was amazing. I'm I I'm I like the format. I hope they do it again. But as you said, it has zero importance. You know, there's nothing on the line, and there shouldn't be. I think the only thing more ridiculous than the old Arsler game was apparently the Pro Bowl this past weekend where I saw some plays and like literally everybody just stood up. Like there wasn't even like right. blocking or tackling. And talk about something that should be banned. I mean, the Pro Bowl. But, you know, the NHL did the right thing, which is basically try to make a game that's entertaining that's the equivalent of the Pro Bowl, which is you don't put any players in any sort of danger. All right. Which is exactly what it should be. Dude, I want to say something crazy. And I want to see... How you feel about it? You think Peter right. Budai should have made okay. the All Star game, dude? Oh, first of all, kudos to our boys Pavs and Burns for a good showing, yeah. at the All Star game, yeah. and for demonstrating what classy guys they are. How they set up John Scott for that goal it was fun. You know, totally. you could tell that it meant a lot to all of them, right? You know, yeah, and that they genuinely like John Scott. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and you could see a lot of photos of them together. Like, I just thought that was cool. There was. Uh, Elliot Friedman, I think, wrote about how, you know, it was good for people in the Canadian audience to see Joe Pavelski, probably one of the best players in the NHL that doesn't get any sort of right coverage in the Canadian market. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. American player, you know, com- on an American team in a in a you know smaller market that they just don't have exposure to, right? Right. And to see him being just just an all around hardworking good guy is kind of fun, I think. I feel bad for John Scott, dude. I think his situation blows, you know, for the situation that he's in. I know it's a sport, dude. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this out here. Okay. What do you think the odds are that the Sharks would trade Frazier McLaren, who is basically nothing, right? Right, yeah. To Montreal for John Scott to let him come back to the West Coast, be closer to his family, play for the Barracuda, what would you feel? How would you feel about that as a Sharks fan? I would feel good about it. Right? Well, don't not? you think, as a publicity move for a team that, even though they're playing well, could use a little bit of good publicity right now? Yeah. The Sharks. Don't you think the fans would get excited about that? Yeah, I do, actually. Because now all of a sudden, John Scott is like a marketable yeah. like player. And I think they'd also be doing it for the right reasons. I don't think that's crazy. I don't want him to play on the Sharks. Right. But, I mean, God, I mean, the the Coyotes, it's such a cold move on their part during this whole process. And they seem to be responsible for some of the, you know, you've read that they also were trying to discourage him from playing. Right. And then they just ship him away. They 
re- they're remodeling a house and yeah. his wife is about to give birth to twins and they send him to the other side of the world. Right. Like that's freaking cruel. Yeah. I think, Yeah, you know, given the, and you could say it's a business move. I don't know. Yeah. It seemed a little personal. It was awful. Coincidental. <laughs> if he's really on a two way deal, I'd like to see the sharks bring him back. Bring him back. Let yeah. him play for the Barracuda. Let him be a two-hour flight away from his family. Like, and who even cares if he plays? Because I mean, it seems like he's thinking about maybe he might not even go. Yeah. yeah. You know? Hey, I'd be totally fine with it. I think, you know, this whole John Scott thing is very interesting, and you don't see it that often in the NHL. Actually, most of the times you see it the other way. And what I mean the other way is a lot of times you see these guys that are so good at hockey and they're really not great human beings sometimes. Right, right. And John Scott is really the opposite. I mean, by all accounts, he's a great human being. Everybody seems to like him. There were about a thousand photos with him and Burns. I think clearly he added something to the Sharks locker room. I mean, there's a reason why this guy who, unfortunately, I have to say it, has little hockey skill on the NHL level, but yet has managed to play for so many NHL teams, whereas many other players in his situation are no longer even close to the league. Right, right. So he obviously offers something. And by all accounts, he's a really cool guy and a smart guy. And he's a college graduate. And he graduated from engineering school, for God's sakes. So there you have it. That's going to be our big trade deadline acquisition, <laughs> John Scott. Dude, I don't know. I mean, I think that would be a feel-good story. And as much crap as we gave the Sharks for signing him yeah. last year. This year, if they reacquired him for the Barracuda, right. I would applaud it. Just because I think it it would allow him and his family to have a little peace, you know. Right. And uh, for a guy who just, you know, this probably is it, right? I mean, it's probably yeah. it. Yeah. He's he's got other things he can do with his life, right? Clearly. And I mean, he in, might strike in, while the iron is hot if he's sort of in the minds of hockey fans. Well, he's clearly a pretty eloquent person. Sure. Maybe he could go to the booth or right. Something he could else. Go to the booth. He could. Uh, you know, probably make uh, killing doing uh, motivational speeches now. Yeah. I mean, the NHL might have got done this guy a huge favor, you know. So anyways, dude, that's my ramble. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I, I really enjoyed the All-Star game this year more than most years. But Why dude, not? let's go back and talk about the Sharks streak, dude. I I read Kevin Kurz's uh, column uh, sort of uh, about... Uh, you know, older topics. And he said that the turnaround was when the Sharks lost that terrible game to Winnipeg at home. They got humiliated by a not very good team. And that sort of seemed to turn this whole thing around. Do you identify the same game as the turnaround? No, I think that's a a good observation. You know, you you take a look at that. If you backtrack, as I see you are here in the, uh, in the schedule here, you know, they lose the next game to Detroit. But that was a pretty close game. And then from there, they've gotten a point in every game since then. You know, they go to, they play Toronto and they just destroy them. Um, the only thing that I think is, is a little bit um, that gives me caution as I look at this streak is that their wins are, are coming against the majority of teams that are not playoff teams, which are teams you need to beat. Right. Right. Sure. Which has always been the Sharks' problem. Yeah. Last couple of years, anyway. But I wouldn't say that there's a signature win in that streak, which might be the only thing that gives me 
a little bit of pause. The the Colorado game that we were at together was impressive. Mm-hmm. Um because Colorado is a playoff team right now and they just destroyed them. I mean, they really did. Yeah. And I think that probably might be the most impressive win here on that resume, their last one, just because that wasn't even close. I mean, but Farlamov did not play. Right. 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 And they chased Calvin Picard out, you know, uh, after two periods or whatever, they made Colorado look pretty pathetic, but um, otherwise you're beating a bunch of, um, pushovers essentially and then a Dallas team that has been trending in the wrong direction and has been very poor on the road so um, what are your thoughts dude I don't want to take anything away from the streak but I just want to look at it you a little bit you kind of depressed me a little dude, bit well, I just streak, want to look dude. at I want to look at it a little bit realistically here and I think if they could keep streaking through this four game road trip then it'll be even better news listen this is good news dude yeah because they weren't even doing this you know, the, right. you look up higher to the December. They've got back to back to back losses: Calgary, Edmonton, Minnesota. That's when you get depressed, right? Right? You're like, oh True. my god, True. like that's pathetic. This is good. Like, I mean, this is good stuff, dude. Right. Um, they beat Calgary, Edmonton, and Minnesota in this recent. They did. I mean, and those are the teams that they're the bottom third of the league. You know, you need to beat them. You need to beat them. Um, Minnesota, a big disappointment this year. You know, a team that. Mm-hmm. Should be beaten absolutely at home. On the road tonight in Anaheim, on the road to St. Louis, on the road to Nashville, and in Chicago. This is this is the stretch mm-hmm. where we'll see are the Sharks, you know, really gonna convince us all that they're ready to make a run in the playoffs, or are they still just an average team? Right, and are they going to be able to harness some of these young guys that are playing well, like Tomas right. Hurdle yeah. playing on the top line? Awesome. We took uh, um, four. You want to tell the listeners your your fortieth uh, birthday present, dude? I got a a customized jersey that says "Dude" on it. That's right, dude. So now when you see some schlub wearing a dude jersey at a Sharks game with the number forty, it's probably. Probably me, unless some other <laughs> or Mike, mor- Mike Rathje. Unless some other moron has that jersey. <laughs> so when I went to pick that up with my daughter, yeah, uh, I told her she could pick anything that she wanted in the store, and she picked Mike Rathje. No, jersey. she picked a Tomash Hurdle doll, but she calls him Tomash Turtle, which I think is funny. But she right. she went home right home, and she put on her Sharks jersey, and she was waving Tomash Turtle around. Tomash Turtle is, is very popular. In your house? At the house. Good. And and he's playing well, so I was happy. You know, as soon as he starts playing poorly, we're going to throw him away. Right. That toy goes right in the trash. It does, yeah. Yeah. Here, take mm-hmm. your Steph Curry doll back. Not dream. <laughs> this is not dream. Not dream. Uh, so, yeah, I obviously there's lots of things to be very excited about and happy about in this recent streak. And as you said, there are some tough games coming up. So I'm really interested to think. I, certainly, with the way that they've performed in the last 10 games, and the way that they seem to be sort of coming together and Logan Couture back in the lineup and, and producing again, um, it, it's it's giving me some optimism, dude, about, you know, maybe I'm not saying this is the year and all this crap, but, you know, maybe they can win a playoff round. Hell, if they get hot, maybe they can win two. Hey, and if you win two, you never know what could happen. It's not impossible for sure. And I think we have proven this year, we match up well against the Kings this year. Yeah. Not afraid of the Kings, really. Right. I'm not in their current 
you know, form, I'm not afraid of them. This isn't the same team that had pl- has plagued us in the past. They're, it's a different group of guys. Mm-hmm. And the Ducks have righted the ship quite a bit, but they're still not, I mean, they're not scoring. You know, Ducks are terrible offensively, mm-hmm. good defensively, which is just the opposite of a Bruce Boudreaux team, basically. So you're waiting for that to to get sorted out. And right now, the Ducks are not in the playoffs. You just cannot imagine that but that's going to hold. They're seven and three in their last sure, ten. They, they are, is that really going to be how this is going to end? Arizona in the playoffs? No way. Yeah. No way. So I mean, it's important for the Sharks to continue to get that home ice advantage on whoever the third seed is, and it's probably going to be the Ducks. So it's possible, dude. I mean, the, the Pacific is not as strong as the Central. Right. You do not want to be the wild card team. That you would want to be the eight seed that ends up going to Chicago. That's a death sentence. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let Nashville do that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, you don't want to end up sliding over to that division. That would be. That's where you would just be done. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, done. It's over. Done that early. You don't want to have to go there that early. Right. Dude, I have a couple things to talk about. First, I think is is sort of a, a quick thing that got a little bit um, of attention in the comments here, and people are talking a little bit about Burns and how his defense. He's made some pretty significant defensive errors here during this streak. You know, leaving guys alone in the slot, he then score late goals and things like that. I think the Kings game comes to mind in that regard. But um, what are you thinking about this situation with Burns? I'm not saying. People are going so far as to say he should be put back to forward, but Kevin Kurz did bring up Drew Amenda, who still holds that belief that that Burns is should be moved back to forward. And I think we've we've addressed that particular point often enough that I don't know if we need to rehash it now. But are you at all concerned about the way Burns is performing, and specifically, and I think someone mentions this, how many minutes he's getting? He is playing a lot, Brent Burns. Are you at all concerned about that? No, I'm not. I, I, I'm not concerned about it. I think the Sharks I looked at, I think they're the second or the third highest scoring team in the Western Conference, um, and that's because of him. Right. That's because of him. Yes. I mean, he's, you know, Joe Thornton isn't driving the bus anymore. It's Brent Burns. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, Brent Burns is the one who is behind... A lot of the best plays, you know, it's it's him either getting the puck through or carrying the puck into the zone or making a great pass or just making a sick shot. And I think you've got to take you take the good with the bad. And I think the good far outweighs the bad. And, you know, somewhere in there, this guy, again, like you, you've you flip flopped him so many times when he was in Minnesota. He was he was a good defensive player. He was at least league average. Right. right yeah. And so you just need to continue to give him time to figure it out. You know, uh, I know he's playing 26 minutes, yeah. you know, which is a lot. Sixth in the NHL, six in the NHL and the players above him, Carlson, Suter, Dowdy, Peter Angelo and Latang. You know, it's uh, Peter Angelo and Latang are both minus players. Um Subban obviously is a plus. Ekman Larson is a minus. Who's number eight? T.J. Brody, Duncan Keith. But he's he's a minus nine. Like that's not horrific, dude. Yeah, it's not horrific. It's okay? not like Nail Yakupov numbers. No, I yeah. mean like 
Yeah, I mean, some of his mistakes are very memorable. Yeah, <laughs> let's <laughs> okay. be honest. Yeah, that it's very memorable. You know, Paul Mar- Martin can't clean up the mess every time. Right. You know, and on a team with better players, might his minutes be more regulated? Yes, but you don't have a better option. Like, yeah. you don't have a better option. I just, I, I think I'm, I'm a little bit sympathetic to the idea that maybe he should just play a bit less i'm not saying he should play 20 minutes a night but if they took a minute away from him per game or even two i might feel a little bit better and he might be less likely to give up those late sort of brain fart type of plays i'm if you get tired and you're playing every other shift which when you're playing 30 minutes a night or close to it that's basically what you're doing is you're playing every other shift then it stands to reason that you get a little tired late in the game. And I'm sure he's a world-class athlete like all other NHL players. But still, if you're playing up against other world-class athletes who are only playing 17 minutes a night, those guys might be a little bit fresher and they might beat you on the back door. So, See, I would take the other side of this argument and say, if you play him a minute less, that could be one less goal you score. But I think this guy is such an offensive dynamo that, you know, should Ottawa be setting Eric Carlson, you know, he's playing too much, you know. These guys, I mean, P.K. Subban's not a great defensive player either, you know? I mean, he's better yeah. statistically than than uh, than Brent Burns, but, you know, I mean, like, he's not in there for his D. I think this is uh, – I can't disagree that he makes some, some bad plays. Yeah. But I think this whole move him to forward movement is – as long as he's a shark, this is not going to happen. I mean, someone else might want to do it, but uh, I can't think of any other team in the league that would want him playing exactly like he is. Right. Is he an all-star if he's a forward? If he's scoring this much, yes. But he wouldn't be. Maybe, yeah. But he wouldn't be. You're right. You're right. So he is... I'm not saying he should be moving back forward. Don't, don't, Don't say that. I'm not saying that. Not at all. I'm just saying that... One of the reasons why he may be making some of these plays is because he's playing too damn much. And when was the last time the Sharks have had a 26-minute guy on the roster? I Certainly not in my memory. Right. Well, I mean, Dan Boyle was playing 22, 23 minutes sure. at his peak. I, I think it's be careful what you wish for. Because I think if you want his minutes scaled back, then you're also uh, dialing back the effectiveness of the offense of this team for basically half a game. So right. know, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other, we got an email about Patrick Marlowe, dude. The trade deadline is coming. Patrick Marlowe, Sharks fan, says, What do you guys think? I've always loved him, but it seems like Marlowe doesn't have his speed. Here, the sportscaster saying he needs to finish his check and seems invisible. What could we get for Patrick Marlowe? This is sort of the internal question. I think there have been recently some more revived uh, noise about the fact that he would be willing to be traded. Um, and obviously, Jr. came out recently blasting Marlowe again, as he seems to do every two weeks. I think he he sets an alarm on his phone for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, what could let's say Patrick Marlowe is on the move? Let's say he is being shopped. What do you think the Sharks could theoretically get for Patrick Marlowe? I'm looking back here, dude, to the uh, 2015 trade deadline. Okay, and let me just read some of the players that got traded and tell you what was in return. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chris Stewart. Is Patrick Marlowe better than Chris Stewart? Uh, yeah. They got a second-round draft pick for Chris Stewart. Mm-hmm. Okay? So 
you got to figure the price is higher than that. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, let's keep looking here. Um, Oli Jokinen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I bore the listeners here with, uh, with my... Uh, you can't be bored about Oli Jokinen, dude. Yeah, dude. He's scintillating. Mm, dude. Anyways, um, I think that Marlo is serious about wanting to be moved just because he hired an agent for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, for a player under a multi-year deal is very strange. Right. Um, so I do think for some reason he wants to go, whether it's because he's insulted about not being part of the official leadership group or if he recognizes that the Sharks aren't going to win a cup and he wants to finally have a chance. Um, the question is, will the Sharks pull the trigger? I don't think Doug Wilson will feel bullied into anything right in the middle of the season especially if the sharks are playing well i think they do nothing um but uh this is the same general manager who when a team was making a playoff push traded away two of its core players and ryan clo and douglas murray yeah and didn't bat an eye so it uh, would not shock me if he did it and actually dude i, I kind of broke down um what the sharks trade deadline strategy might be if you'll indulge me dude oh uh, please so uh, option a yeah. i call it the 2013 okay right so if you remember the sharks traded clo and murray and murray yeah. so they i mean and i might not have this perfect perfectly correct but i think the sharks traded murray clo a third and a seventh for rafi torres scott hannon two seconds two thirds and a fifth okay all right pretty decent haul yeah they got two i remember they got two second round picks from douglas murray yeah and it it revitalized the sharks uh energy by adding a player like torres hannon was perfectly serviceable mm-hmm. and they got some some really strong draft picks out of it too and the sharks are in a really weird spot because they don't have any draft picks to offer they have one pick in the first three rounds next year hey okay we have $5.6 million in cap space, according to general manager on deadline day, which is a decent amount. Yeah, yeah. That means you you could trade for Kyle Ocaposo. Yeah. You could land Dustin Bufflin. You could land Andrew Ladd. We do not have the assets to get any of those players. No, unless well, unless they want Marlowe, maybe, and some stuff. But none of those teams are going to want Marlowe. That's true. It like, doesn't make any sense. So I think it's possible the Sharks do... A 2013 here, and they trade Patrick Marlowe for picks or prospects picks or, or like a really good young player to a team that's looking to make like a next step. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not going to be the Ducks, but the Ducks are a team that comes to mind. Like, mm-hmm. they need offense. You know, they have young D, which the Sharks might be really interested in. Like, the Sharks made a swap there. That's sort of the right idea, right? And then you trade someone like Mike Brown, who mm-hmm. for some reason everybody's interested in him at some point. You get like a sixth for him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you turn around and then you trade like a middle pick for someone like a name that popped into my mind was Chris Versteeg. Right. So then you replace Marlowe with Chris Versteeg, who's a UFA. And then... You turn around, you trade a seventh for Dan Boyle. Dan Boyle, you bring him back. You're standing up, bring dude. him back. You're standing up. Anyways, that's the funny part. That was the punchline, but yeah. um, not really. I really want it to happen. But anyways, I know he's not playing well, but I still want it. I so, still want him back. <laughs> I want him back. 
But that's an option, dude. That wouldn't shock me. I yeah. don't think it would be the Sharks throwing in the towel. They didn't throw in the towel when they made that move the last no. time. They just restocked the cupboard mm-hmm. in a weird way. Right. And also replaced the player with someone else. Right. So I, I think it was an adding and subtracting at the same time. I mean, Marlowe's possible. A good player. He's go, got over. He's got 15 goals, over 30 points right now. Is plus Mars is actually worse than Burns, but he's a pretty s- steady, like 25 to 30 goal scorer, which don't exactly grow on trees. And I think you could get a mid to late round, first round pick for that. I don't think you get a lottery pick for him. Well, but I, I think you could get something in the 15 to 25 range, right? Uh, for Patrick Marlowe, given the team in question really wants him. I think that that would be roughly market rate for Patrick Marlowe, if I had to guess, because he, he's not going to be a UFA at the end of the year. He's got another whole year on his deal, so it's a known cap situation for that receiving team. The question is, is there a deal out there to be made? Is there a team willing to give up that pick? And is there a team willing to take on a player like Patrick Marlowe that wants him? And you couldn't do that and not get someone to replace him I believe to appease the fan base and also uh, the team. You know, if the team was in a playoff position and you just strip it without doing what he did in 2013, he stripped, but then he added, you know, and it was a different type of player, but actually was better. I mean, like it Mm -hmm. was a better Hannon and Torres were better than Klo and Murray. Yeah. You know, and it, the team played even better once they got to that point. So, might the Sharks be looking to make a move like that? I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, What's your other option? Well, option B is the all-in, which I think is not even really an option because the Sharks don't have the assets to do an all-in. They don't have the picks. They don't have the young players that anybody cares about to land. I think Hurdle, Donskoy, and Carlson all have value. But I'm talking... I don't think that you would trade those guys for... Bill uh, Guerin. For an Andrew Ladd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying they do have some young prospects. I think for an Andrew Ladd, Andrew Ladd worth more than Patrick Marlowe, I think. You think? Yes. I think so. I mean, I think I, I mean, he's a UFA, first of all, so you don't have to pay him after the year. You know, you're that not could be bad. That means you could end up with nothing. All right. Well, let's let's take a look here what Andrew Ladd's stats are. All, all right. right. I'm you tell at, me I'm uh, look at Andrew Ladd here. who is uh, more valuable, dude. All right. But I think you're not going to be able to get someone like that. You're not going to be able to get a Kyle Ocposo, who the Islanders might be looking to move, uh, for what the Sharks have to offer. So, I mean, and and do you want, you know, I mean, and and Lad, in addition to his stats, dude, comes with being, you know, a supposed, you know, grade A leader. Too. Right. He's he's got ten goals, seventeen assists, twenty seven points. Marlowe's got thirty five points, thirty two points rather. Minus eight. I think, you know, Andrew Ladd has scored uh, 28 goals or 29 goals for the Thrashers one year, 28 goals for the year after. In the last few years, he's been sort of in the 18 to 23 range. I, I'm not entirely certain. He's younger. He's 30. Okay? Right. That's Andrew Ladd's basic main advantage over Patrick Marlowe, in my view. I think I think Patrick Marlowe is the better player, unless you're very concerned about this leadership aspect, which so, Andrew Ladd is the captain, I believe. But in this all-in scenario, Marlowe's not traded, dude. I mean, right. it, it's Marlowe stays, True. and you add an Andrew Ladd. Yeah. And you're, you add a Kyle Ocposo, or you add a Dustin Bufflin, which they we do not have the assets to do that. Right. I mean, do you even want... Like, would you want the Sharks to trade... 
Mirko Mueller and Nikolai Goldolbin for no. Kyle Ocposo no, no. for six weeks of Kyle Ocposo. No, no, no. That's what it's going to be. Like, I mean, unless the price just drops dramatically. So I don't think that's an option. And the option C is the Sharks do nothing, nothing. because they have no assets to offer. I mean, they really don't. I mean, they have no picks and no blue chip players that I think that are not on the NHL roster that people are interested in. Right. Sure, I mean, someone's going to would be interested in Hurdle, but you're not going to give up Hurdle unless you're getting back something really great in return. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think they would do? A, B, or C, dude? I Certainly, A and C are the most likely. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine them going all in here. I And it's hard for me not to let my own personal opinion color this. I mean, I think the Sharks would be best served if they traded Patrick Marlowe. We've talked about that. Yeah. A couple of times, I think they would be. Um, not that I necessarily think Jr. is the wisest person in hockey, but I think you have to sort of listen to him when he says, listen, that's Joe's room. I don't think if he got traded, the guys would particularly care if Patrick Marlowe was gone. And I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty nasty indictment. Uh, you know, I don't know how right on it is or not. He could be way off base, but you know, the fact that, that somebody who played a lot of years in the NHL and saw a lot of different players with a lot of different personalities said something that polarizing, does make one take notice. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would rather the Sharks get value from Patrick Marlowe now than to wait another year and have him either retire or sign for a lesser amount uh, with another team or, or whatever, and the Sharks basically get no value from him, especially if they could get the kind of value I think, which is like a late first-round pick. Yeah. I would rather they do that. Yep. Well, we'll see, dude. Dude, we've talked. You've mentioned uh, the player, uh, this player, a couple times already during the show, and that's Rafi Torres. And there's been some news on that front. Rafi Torres uh, waived by the Sharks, cleared right. waivers, and right. is now reporting to the Barracuda. What does this mean? Um, it means he can't play, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it it means that, or at least he can't play yet. I mean, I think they ran out of time on his conditioning stint. That was my and interpretation. Yeah. Just realized he was not. Not ready, ready to play yeah. and took a gamble, really a non-gamble, like right. playing a penny slot. No one's going to claim <laughs> Rafi Torres with, you know, a, a cadaver pl- yeah. You know what I mean? No one's going to do that. And uh, coming off a 41-game suspension. Yeah, no one's going to do that. So yeah. really, I mean, I don't think there's too much to read into this except for the fact that he's he's not ready to play yet and that we can't really be banking on him for anything right now. Yeah, I, I I hate to say I told you so, but I think I said before the season that I would be very surprised if, if Torres makes any meaningful contribution right. to the Sharks. And it sounds like, at least in some coded language, maybe I read the tea leaves wrong, but it sounded like he, there was some sort of setback with his knee or there was some sort of health thing going on already with this guy. And he hasn't even played any NHL minutes yet. This is right. not a good sign. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on him and see what kind of minutes he's logging. Uh, if his minutes start to tick up for the Barracuda, then we'll see that he's... Uh, they're trying to get him ready. All right, dude. Well, they got Sharks got some tough games coming up. I tough. think that February is going to be. Is it the key month left in the in the season, dude? Are there more critical months other than this one? I can't think of one. There's a lot of road games. There's a lot of teams, good teams that they're playing against. Like you said, they're playing, of course, against Chicago and Nashville and St. Louis. But they're also playing Tampa Bay. They're playing uh, St. Louis again. Vancouver, Montreal, you know, Vancouver's certainly a, a division rival and Montreal is one of the better teams in the East. Yeah. You know, this and- is a this is gonna be a tough, a tough month. 
And it'll say a lot about, you know, we, you know, right now the Sharks are playing well. We didn't even talk about them being sellers, you know, right. but it'd be very easy for us in two weeks if they go one and seven on this stretch, which, you know, seeing this, the type of competition, I don't think it would shock anybody mm-hmm. if that happened, that the Sharks are now again in the bottom of the league, which would be It'd be devastating, really, mm-hmm. because if the Sharks finish out of the playoffs are in a lottery pick and not having that pick, that's that would be probably the last straw for most Sharks fans. Mm-hmm. Most. I mean, to to be in that position and not even have the pick. To add players, to think you get better, and, and then... Have a lottery pick and not even have. So I refuse to believe that that's going to be what's going to happen. I think the Pacific is too ripe for for the taking and that the Sharks are going to do well on this road trip. If they come away with four points, that's, that is good. Um, if they can go 500, and I, I hope it starts tonight with a win in Anaheim, it's a winnable game. Absolutely it is, dude. Well, it's good to be back with you, dude. And uh, we got some interesting Sharks hockey coming up. So go Sharks. Go Sharks. show want to get your questions on the air email questions at dudesonhockey.com dudes on hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose sharks organization or the national hockey league